This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's December, and I've been listening to Christmas carols. Have you been listening to Christmas carols? And the one that has stuck with me this early days of December and end of November is Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. For those of you who've been hanging out with me through the years here at Homemakers, you know that there are two words that I simply prioritize in my life. They are come and stay. If my family should have a, a stone, if I should be buried in the ground and have a stone, and my husband and I have decided we have one child, it's up to her, whatever she wants to do, because she's going to be here, we're not unless Jesus comes soon. But if I do, I hope those two words are on there. Come and stay. Come thou long expected Jesus. When we were together the last time, I was talking about Mary and the invitation that Jesus offered to her. Would you like to be the mother of God, said Gabriel? And she said, yes. Would you say yes to that invitation? Or would you say, I think I have to get back to you about that. Well, we've been talking this semester here at Modern Homemakers about listening, listening for love and learning. And when I think of Mary's yes, when I think of Mary's yes, and I have to tell you that I try not to categorize yeses, but it it seems to me that it's the most magnificent, most powerful yes I've ever heard anybody invited to do that they said yes to. I mean, think of how it pales with everything else in the world. Do you want to be president of the United States? Yeah. Do you want to be the mother of God? I mean, come on. These are, this, is, this was an invitation of uncanny proportions. And she said yes, because she was listening to God in her heart. She was listening to that Gabriel, that messenger of God, that angel Angels are described as fearsome, large, overwhelming messengers of God. And there is Gabriel standing before her. I don't know, I always think of her because she's so young to be diminutive. And she doesn't seem to be afraid at all. She responds in the most quiet and wonderful way. She says yes to this invitation. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple of women of the Christmas story. And immediately, um, this women of Christmas would be Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth and Mary. So let's first look back a little in Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to read a few few verses. Now, when Jesus finished instructing his 12, he went off from there to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. When John heard in, present, in prison that the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or we are to wait for another? I'd like to talk to you about waiting and watching found in Psalm 130, but I'm not going to bunny trail off there. 
Maybe I will soon, though. Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And they went away, and Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. Now, what Jesus says about John is quite a remarkable piece of literature. As they went away, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, and I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before me. Now listen to this statement by Jesus about John the Baptist. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. You want to let that sink in? Among the women who have given birth, no one, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. This is Jesus talking about John the Baptist. Now, who is John the Baptist's mother? And who is John the Baptist's father? And how did all this come to be? So he says, I tell you, he's more than a prophet. This is the one about whom we have written. This is John the Baptist. So I was reading that and thinking about um, these two women of Luke, chapter 1 and 2, which a lot of the Christmas story is engaged in. And if you just take your Bible and take, take it in as many versions as you want to and read Luke 1 and Luke 2, if you don't have any Advent books and you, you don't know who to listen to, just open your Bible and start reading Luke 1 and Luke 2 and read it again and read it some more and read it again and read it over. Let's see how many verses are there. In the first chapter, they're long chapters. In the first chapter, there are 80 verses. And then in chapter 2, there are 52 verses. So that's 132 verses between now and the end of the month. You could read that two, three, four times. So we know now that John the Baptist has been spoken about by Jesus as one of the greatest that have ever been, okay? And then there's Mary, who we've already discussed, the invitation that she said yes to, and she gave birth to a child who turned out to be the Son of God. So truly, um, these women are exceptional women, and I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about them. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, what has that got to do with anything that's important to me? Nothing except that you are, I'm trying to help you in these next minutes understand the importance of delivering a child, the importance in those years of a woman bearing children, and bearing a son. And Zechariah had made a coup when he married Elizabeth because she was a descendant of Aaron, 
And that meant that they were like double priestly lines. So the double priestly lines were getting married. And then there was, you know, priests, priests, priests. They were righteous in the sight of God. They observed the Lord's commandments. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Now, it, it puts the onerous on Elizabeth. And if you begin to just take that culture and say, what they thought about a woman who couldn't bear a child was there was something wrong with her. Not physically wrong with her, but that she had done some deed or had some sin or had some curse. And then the sentence in my version says, and they were old. I have to laugh because nobody really knows how old they were. They could have been 40, you know, on childbearing years. And here's Mary getting married somewhere in her late teens or early teens. And so old, they were old, but they were old and they were childless. And so this was sort of the double duo. So Zachariah's division was on duty. Now, the divisions, they divided the priests up into divisions. It was all very mathematical, and they chose by lot. And there's a lot of lot choosing in the scripture. There are many places in the scripture. If I'm correct, 70 in the old covenant and seven in the new covenant, that they make a decision by throwing dice, by throwing lots. And so this was one of those decisions. They casted lots, and it was his turn to go in and make the sacrifice. Now, this practice applied to the priests, and they were assigned whatever the, the casting of the lots. They just did it. The priests... Um, did what they were told. They cast the lots, and then it was their turn. Now, remember that a priest got to make a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies once in his whole life, once. So they were very old. We don't know how old, but old times 365 days, times old, and he was the priest, and he gets to do it once, and now it's his turn, and he goes in. Now, a few more details about that. He goes into the Holy of Holies. No one can go into the Holy of Holies except the assigned priest. They wear bells on their ankles and a rope, a rope that is long enough that it, it tags out outside of the curtain that covers the Holy of Holies, and if the high priest kicks off, dies, falls over, faints while he's in the Holy of Holies. They just take the rope and bring him out. And they know he kicked off because the bells stop ringing that are on his ankle. So, I mean, the whole thing is like so out of our way of thinking. So this is Zechariah. Now, it's the first time you get to do it and you get to do it when you get to do it. You're so excited you get to do it. And then suddenly something happens to him. Now, I don't know if you read much of Liz Curtis Higgs, but she has written a book called The Women of Christmas, and I want to read a couple of excerpts from her book. After such cheery news about Elizabeth and her hubby, oh, well, wait, wait, now, this is, I I didn't tell you what the cheery news is. You know what the cheery news is. Gabriel, the big Gabriel, who's been to see Mary, and Mary says, yes, 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 of course. The big Gabriel comes to Zechariah, and what does he do? He protests. He doubts. Are you sure? My wife is old. We are childless. We're not. Are you sure? How come? Why? So what's the difference here in the invitation? 
The invitation is Mary who simply says, yes, be it done unto me. And, and Zechariah, who is doubting and questioning and wondering. I kind of want to think that maybe he's even afraid. So here's Liz. After such cheery news about Elizabeth and her hubby, it's time for the other shoe to drop. When God's blessings are piled on our heads, it's easy to be faithful. The real test comes when the disappointment calls and sorrow pulls up a chair. Oh no, not those two godly souls. Here's the bad news. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Sadness had crept into their home. In their world, children were seen as a reward by faithful service. We can guess the desperate questions that threaded through their minds as each year went by without a child in their arms. Are we not faithful enough to the Lord? Have we dishonored him in some way? Nevertheless, Zechariah continued to faithfully serve, even with all their goodness and righteousness. And then the angel comes, and he says what all angels say, do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Why does he say fear not? Because I described them to you. They're fearful. Fear not. And then he goes on, and he begins to tell, uh, Gabriel begins to tell Zechariah. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words. I was so struck with this juxtaposition between Mary who says, yes, 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 here am I. And here's this learned priest, the high priest of this service, and he's being visited by Gabriel, and he doesn't believe it. And now he's being struck mute. I don't know about you. I think somewhere in between there is I think well, how I'd respond if Gabriel showed up at my front door. I don't want to give Zechariah a bad rap. I mean, he was old. We don't know how old. They were barren. He, like everyone else, thought Elizabeth's fault. And now there's this big dude angel standing in front of him saying, you're going to have a baby. And they're waiting Everyone's waiting outside for Zechariah to leave the temple. This is his big day, you know, big, big day. And Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in his years. He doesn't want to believe the angel. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Now, there's much written about why she remained in seclusion. Some of it has to do with the kind of things that we all who have been pregnant, you know, the barrenness, was it a part of sin in her life? Was it faithfulness or unfaithfulness? Was it humiliating to be pregnant? You know, I don't know if the baby and the womb and making your little belly get bigger and bigger, and we girls wear tight dresses on it now to show everybody that we're pregnant. Um, when my daughter was born 51 years ago, I couldn't wait to put up a maternity dress on. But a lot of people were wearing Ampere-style dresses, you know, where they were tight underneath their breast line, and then it was gathered. And you couldn't be sure that it was a pregnant person or not a pregnant person. And so 
this this goes on, this point of humiliation, because she was unable to get pregnant. And now comes this contrast of Mary who comes to her, who really will face public shame. And what does she come to her? She comes to her to bless Elizabeth. She comes to her to bless Elizabeth. There were six women in the Bible, and I'm not going to tell you who they all are, who were biblical women who were barren. And um, Samuel's mother, Hannah, was one of them. So Liz Curtis continues to go on, and she says a few more things I'll read to you. Theories abound, but only Elizabeth herself could tell us the truth. Exiled by choice with a husband who could neither speak nor hear. Mute, remember that. She turned to the one who gladly listened to her as she poured out her hopes, her fears, her joys, and concerns. Years of suffering had brought her very near to the heart of God. Why is that specific length of time? Not two full trimesters, five months. Maybe she was simply avoiding all the unwanted advice that relatives and friends love to dish out. The second clue for mothers-to-be is an expanding waistline. Every woman's body is different. But by the end of the fifth month, Elizabeth's baby bump was bound to show. Did they have maternity clothes in those days? And and the scripture, I mean, um, Liz reminds us that the Lord has done this for me. Elizabeth might have been waiting for that absolute assurance when Mary comes to her. While Zachariah doubted, Mary was certain and Mary was enthusiastic. Miracles are God's way of saying, watch me, listen to me, receive from me. When I invite you, say yes to me. Elizabeth was unable to conceive, yet God was more than able and willing to give her a son. Elizabeth continued saying yes to God. She did not doubt that God was able. She did not say, oh, this cannot be true. She rejoiced. There's no indication in the scripture that Elizabeth was doubting or suggests that she didn't believe what was about to happen as as um, Zechariah did. If you watch the um, Chosen at all, there are a couple of the first season shows that Zechariah and Elizabeth are featured, so to speak. And she dotes over him and fixes, you know, like, like you might fix a man's tie today to make sure it's straight or a bow tie to make sure it's not crooked. Um, because it was part of her duty as the priest's wife, and then remember, her father was a priest, to keep his attire mended and, and in perfect condition. And I, I watched those pieces during The Chosen, and I thought there was something going on inside of Elizabeth that caused her to be very faithful to the work that God had given her, even though around her swirled the conversations about her barrenness. Well, you know the story. Mary comes to visit her, and when Mary comes, Elizabeth is just at that time in her pregnancy, and in her body, the baby leaps. I, 
I'm so overwhelmed with the timing. I think I'm often asked this question, and that is, what is it about God that you are just amazed by? Well, so many things you could answer that question, and I've been amazed by God for decades now and amazed at the smallest and the largest things. But I'm always amazed at the details, I, because I love details, because I know that sometimes the detail, you know, the lighting of the candle on the cake before the band strikes up, happy birthday, if you don't do it right, then you could miss the whole celebration, right? And, and the details of this account in Luke 1 and 2, of Gabriel's visits, of Mary's yes, of Elizabeth's amazing receipt of the term of her delivery. About five months, if you know anything about pregnancy, is when the baby first starts to move around in a serious manner. And there is Mary encountering her. This week I saw a piece of um, sculpture, and it was the two women. Mary was standing and Elizabeth was kneeling before her. That's what the scripture said she did. She did. Mary has a beautiful, tight porcelain face. Elizabeth's face is more wrinkled. And they are touching one another. Mary touching Elizabeth and back. The picture of this older woman bowing before, not Mary, but before God who was in Mary's womb. Oh, so so obtuse, so abstract, so hard to believe. And yet there are all the details that God had worked out and give us this account. In 2021, we can read this miraculous account of two men, John the Baptist, who Jesus himself declares to be the greatest man on earth, and Jesus, the Son of God, who was the greatest man on earth. So I commend Luke 1 and 2 to you the women of Christmas, Elizabeth and Mary. Read it, enjoy it, and when we're together the next time, we'll have one more woman in the Bible, and that'll be Mary, and then we're going to talk about some ways to spend some days between now and Christmas quietly with God. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. We have a few products left uh, from Christmas, the Children of the King book, there are a few and a few Advent books. You can find them on our website. Thank you for listening. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of listening for God's voice. <laughs>